0: Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wa الله وسلم wa sallam ala سيد Muhammad, والآخرين awaleen جميع إخوانه من mina والمرسلين wa وآل كل Wa ala ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين. اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا ونفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا رب All praise is due to Allah and may Allah raise the rank of Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him and protect his nation from that which he fears for them We ask Allah to increase our knowledge and benefit us with the knowledge we have acquired, ameen we are still explaining the obligatory knowledge upon every accountable person and we have reached the section about the sins of the abdomen. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Quran إِنَّ Allah mentioned in this verse that one will be questioned on the day for judgment about his hearing, about his sight and about his heart. However, what is mentioned in this verse is not for restriction. So it means not only the person will be questioned about his hearing, sight and heart. Rather, one will be questioned about the other organs as well. How did you use your eyes? How did you use your ears? How did you use your tongue? And you'll be questioned about the other parts of your body. That's why one needs to know about the sins of every organ so he can stay away from them. We'll talk about the sins of the abdomen, meaning what you cannot consume into your stomach. That will be classified from the sins of the abdomen. The Prophet ﷺ said in the hadith that every flesh that is nurtured from haram, then hellfire is more deserving of it everybody that is nurtured from haram then hellfire is more deserving of it that's why you find in the previous eras the previous centuries some righteous muslims who had a level of god-fearingness that is very 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 high to the extent that they don't only avoid what is haram They avoid what is halal if they have the slightest suspicions about it. So if they are suspicious about the source of this halal, they would avoid it. These days, you find many people careless. They are not even interested in knowing From where this food has come from halal or haram, the money where it is from halal or haram. As the Prophet mentioned, that a time will come on this nation where people are keen to collect money without giving any regard whether they are collecting from halal or haram sources. So, same. You need to be sure that what you consume into your body is from halal. What you take into your body cavity from your mouth, the food that you are eating, the drink that you are drinking is from halal. Do not let haram go into your body. That's why one needs to know about the sins of the abdomen. Among the sins of the abdomen is to consume the money of usurious gain. We explained before that to benefit from what has come from a usurious gain transaction that's called the riba transaction. Whether it is food that one is consuming or other than that is unlawful, haram. The Prophet وسلم, in the hadith damned the one who takes the riba, the one who gives it to the taker, and the one who writes down the contract of riba and the witnesses on the contract of riba. That's why one needs to be cautious, not to be involved in any transaction that involves riba in it riba is a major sin that's called the usurious gain every debt that generates a profit either to both or to one of them this is classified as riba and it could be in different forms and scenarios but that's the rule that every debt that generates a benefit, either to both or to one of them, is classified as riba. It doesn't have to be an increase, increment in money upon return. It could be something else. So a person may say to a person, I'll lend you, let us say, one thousand. You return them one thousand by the end of the year. However, you let me use your car for free. That is riba. Because this debt, he lent him the money, and he put a condition and in that condition he is generating a benefit to himself that is classified as riba. So it doesn't have to be an increment in money upon returning the debt. So any kind of benefit that is generated because of that transaction, lending money, is classified as riba. So to consume the money of the usurious gain is from the uh, sins of the abdomen. Also to consume the money of others taken from them by force, and that is called al ghasb or to consume the money taken from others through stealing. That is to take the money of others stealthily. That's called the stealing. Islamically, stealing has that definition. Something is kept in a place where such items are usually kept to preserve them for safekeeping. Where do you put such an item? Then someone would sneak into this house, let us say, and take that item from that place where such an item is usually kept for safekeeping. That is called stealing. But if someone, let us say, found something on, on the road and he took her, he is not allowed, he needs to identify her for one year. Uh, he cannot take her and just, let us say, he found money, he cannot just take her and go spend her. But that is not called stealing. He took, they, they call this Luqata. It has certain rules in our religion. So, the lost and found items, they have specific rules in our religion. If he wants to take them, he needs to identify them for one year, to find the owner of such lost item. But this is not called stealing. So, there is a difference in definition, because stealing, like the one, let us say, went into a house, he found a box, and he broke that box, he found jewelry in it, And he took the jewellery, this is called stealing. Because he took the uh, jewellery from the place where they are usually kept for safekeeping. This is classified as stealing. Anyway, any money taken from others unjustly, whether by force, whether through stealing, or any other forbidden way is classified as haram. But these are different definitions for them also to consume anything taken through a deal unlawful by the islamic law that is classified as haram so even sometimes let us say you found a bottle of alcohol let us say you don't drink alcohol but you chose to sell it you cannot sell it that transaction is invalid and it's haram to sell it to someone who would drink it. So if you sell him this bottle of alcohol and you take the money, this money is taken unjustly through an unlawful transaction. Then it's haram for you to benefit with this money. Also to consume alcohol, any intoxicating drink that alters the state of mind and causes ecstasy, they call this khamr, in Arabic, alcohol. So any kind of drink that is intoxicating could be different brands, different types. Any drink that will cause intoxication, it alters the state of mind, it causes ecstasy, this is classified as forbidden. If let us say you have grapes, if you squeeze the grapes, you put them in a jar, let us say, leave them for a while, they reach a stage, they start becoming fizzy, and they form a kind of foam on the top. At this stage, it's intoxicating. It's intoxicating at this stage. If you drink it, that's haram. If you leave it on its own, Without doing anything to it, then it settles. When it settles, it becomes what? It becomes vinegar. It has sour taste then, it becomes vinegar, then you can consume it. So if you leave it on its own to go into the process of fermentation, natural process of fermentation, it goes from juice, normal juice, not only grapes, could be Dates even, it could, would go into that process. Apple, apple juice, anything like this. Leave it. it goes into a process when it reaches a stage, it starts fizzing. At that stage, when it's in that stage, it's intoxicating. That's called alcohol. You cannot drink it. Leave it on its own, it will settle down. After it settles down, it becomes sour, it becomes vinegar. Now in the market, you might see white vinegar or they call it red wine vinegar or white wine vinegar and so on. It's vinegar. That's not intoxicating substance. It's vinegar, but could be made from either black grapes or white grapes, red or white. So when it goes into that process of becoming wine, khamr, At that stage, you are not able to uh, consume it because it's khamar. When it settles down, it becomes vinegar, then you can drink it. The Prophet ﷺ used to put dates in water. At that time, they didn't have the kinds of cordial that you may have or the drinks as available these days. So in order to have a kind of drink that is a bit sweet, they used to put dates in water. So the Prophet wasallam would drink from it for a couple of days, up to three days, and he would stay away from it because in hot countries that process could be faster. So it would reach a stage where it starts fizzing and at that stage it becomes intoxicating. So to consume any intoxicating drink that is forbidden, that is classified from the sins of the abdomen. So one has to learn about this manner. You might have any kind of juice, you leave it for a while. If you see that it's making that sound and it's fizzing, stay away from it. Abdullah ibn Umar ibn al-Khattab عنه, used to say, Stay away from every drink that is fizzing, that is making that noise and it's causing uh, this state. So stay away from it. If it settles, it becomes vinegar, then you can consume it. Also, to consume whatever is a non-liquid but intoxicating substance that is forbidden as well. Not only the drink that is liquid, sometimes you might have intoxicating substances, but they are solid. You are not allowed to consume them. Also, uh, you are not allowed to take any kind of drugs that will alter the state of mind as well. It causes ecstasy as well. It causes like an effect in the eyes and the, the limbs. Those drugs people take, when they take them, they can feel the effect of this Drugs, let us say, in their eyes and uh, in the limbs of the body, the tip of the limbs of the bodies. So these kinds of drugs are forbidden as well. That would include the marijuana and uh, hashish, they call it hashish in English, and uh, maybe the ecstasy pills, the ice, all these kinds, they... Uh, heroin, cocaine, all these kinds are forbidden. They go under the forbidden substances from being consumed. The Prophet in the hadith, نَهَى عَن كُلِّ مُسْكِر Muftir. نَهَى عَن كُلِّ Forbade one from taking, consuming any intoxicating substance and from consuming any substance that would cause effect to the eyes and the tips of the limbs of one's body and the goes under drugs, those are drugs. However, you know, there are uh, some drugs that are used for medication, like the morphine for instance, in hospitals, they give him a dose for medical purposes, that's exempted. That's exempted. Also, to consume nauseous, filthy substance, such as Blood or pork, for instance, in some parts of Europe, they extract the blood from animals and they freeze them and they put them in packs, then they sell them in supermarkets. It's actually frozen blood. That blood that comes out of slaughtered animals, even when you slaughter a sheep, sheep is edible, Islamically. When you slaughter it, this blood that is gushing out is forbidden to be consumed, and that was forbidden in all shari'as, meaning from Adam till the sharia of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi Consuming pork, consuming improperly slaughtered edible animal, the meat of them is forbidden. That's in all shari'as, and consuming the running blood that comes out of the animal. That is upon slaughtering, that is forbidden in all sharia's. It was not allowed in any time of any prophet. It's forbidden. There are certain matters that never been allowed in any sharia from the time of Adam till the time of Prophet Muhammad. And these are some examples uh, the unjust killing never been allowed, Uh, committing fornication and adultery, never been allowed. There was no prophet who drank alcohol. There was no prophet who encouraged people to drink alcohol. Because consuming the alcohol will make one lose his mind. He reaches a stage where it affects his mind and he won't be able to make uh, proper decisions and the prophets wouldn't guide people to do something that would be damaging to them physically or socially that's why no prophet from the time of adam up to muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam no prophet allowed consuming alcohol or encouraged People to drink alcohol. Prophet Isa never drank alcohol. He did not say, as some people fabricate, a little bit of alcohol will make the heart happy. So just be warned, this never happened. No Prophet drank alcohol. No Prophet encouraged people to drink alcohol. Also to consume what is revolting. Although it's not nauseous, such as the mucus that comes out of the nose, it's not nauseous, but it's revolting. The rotted sweat is not nauseous, but it's revolting. One is not allowed to uh, drink what is revolting, even if it is not nauseous. The saliva, after spitting it out, When a person spits out the saliva and they accumulate in a place now, since they separated from his mouth, from his tongue, now they are classified as revolting. He is not allowed to eat them. But as long as one has his saliva inside his mouth, he can swallow them. That does not affect even his fasting. You know, some people may think that if one is fasting, is not allowed to swallow his own saliva. As long as your saliva is pure, unchanged with food or cordial and the like, you can swallow it when you are fasting. Now, uh, you can swallow your saliva as long as it's inside your mouth. But uh, when a person spits the saliva out, it becomes revolting. He is not allowed to swallow it. That's... The accumulation of saliva. The wetness is forgiven, is pardoned, the wetness. Like no accumulation, it's just wet, wetness. You see wetness of saliva. Like for instance, when you have a spoon and you are feeding your child. So you put the spoon into his mouth. When you take it out, there is no accumulation of saliva on it, but the wetness of the saliva is on it. So if you put it in your mouth, that's fine. That's not forbidden. That's the wetness is pardoned. So it's not accumulated. Same when you are fasting, for instance, and you lick your lips. Now when you lick your lips, now you can see the trace of the wetness on your lips. So if you lick your lips again, that does not affect your fast. Because there is no accumulation of saliva on your lips. Also, to unrightfully consume the money of the orphan. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran threatened the one who consumed the money of the orphans unjustly with a severe torture in hellfire on the day of judgment. Allah mentioned the verse that means those who consume the money of the orphans unjustly will consume fire in their stomachs on the day of judgment meaning in hell fire because the orphan Islamically is the one whose father passed away and he is under puberty that's the orphan so if you are 30 40 50 and your father passed away, you don't say, I'm an orphan. The orphan is the one who is under puberty, and his father passed away. That's the orphan. Usually he's weak. A person may take advantage of the weakness of this child, because he doesn't have a father, doesn't have a supporter. So he might take that advantage and take his money, consume his money unjustly, then he falls into that major sin. Also, to consume the money of the waqf in a way contrary to the conditions set by the one who established it. There is something in our religion that is called waqf, meaning you dedicate something for others to benefit from. You might, let us say, dig a well dig a well, and you say, I want to dedicate this well for people to drink from. So he put a condition that I want this well dedicated for people to drink from. Then one is not allowed to wash his car with that water from the well. Why it is dedicated? For that purpose. Also, someone might dedicate water to a mosque. In our country, they might have big containers on the roof because water is not 24 hours. So a person may bring water by water and fill that container so people can make wudu' inside the mosque. He might say, I dedicate this water for people to make wudu' from. So it's dedicated for that purpose. One is not allowed to wash his clothes with a... So he needs to observe The conditions established by the one who made that waqf. That's called waqf, dedication. So there is restriction. And the Prophet said in the hadith, Al Muslimuna عند Shuru'tihim. Al Muslimuna عند Shuru'tihim. Meaning, the conditions set by the Muslims who established the waqf must be observed must be observed a person may build a house and he says this house is dedicated for the knowledge seekers so those who acquire the knowledge about religion can live in this house benefit from this house by living in it because they are acquiring the knowledge of the religion so he dedicated it for that purpose so one if he's not a knowledge seeker is not allowed to stay in that house because it is dedicated for that purpose. A person may dedicate a house for poor people. If one is not poor, cannot live in that house. It's dedicated for poor people and he needs to observe these conditions set by the one who dedicated that house for that purpose. To consume what is given out of shyness. In our religion, one is not allowed to take anything of his brother or sister without the consent. Even if that were to be something that is not valuable. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, one is not allowed to take the stick of his Muslim brother without his consent, without the good intention of that person. Meaning he has given it out of his goodwill, he's not forced. When one, for instance, were to take something from his Muslim brother out of shyness, so he knows it didn't come out of him, out of his goodwill. Like he might see him sitting with other people and say to him, give me that thing. Now if that person were to say no, others may look at him, "Ah, oh, you're miser, why you're not giving him this matter and the like, this thing. So out of shyness, he might feel shy, embarrassed, so he might give him the item. He took it out of shyness. That is haram. Now we'll talk about the sins of the eye. Among the sins of the eye is for men to look at the faces and hands, hands up to the wrists, we're talking here, of marriageable woman with desire. So to look at the face and the hands up to the wrists of marriageable woman with desire is forbidden without desire is not forbidden because the face and the hands of the lady are not part of her prohibited nakedness are not part of the aura the face and the hands up to the wrists are not part of the aura the prophet so once the sister of Aisha Aisha was his wife He saw her sister who reached puberty and she wasn't covering properly. The Prophet turned away and said to her, O Asma', her name was Asma', when a lady reaches puberty, nothing is allowed to be shown of her body except for this and this. And he pointed to the face and the hand. So for instance, we start with the scarf, the scarf they're wearing, uh, in many cases, they don't cover all the hair that is here, classified from the head. So you see it showing, that's number one. Number two, they might wear a scarf, the head covering, that is see-through. So you can see the ease, you can see the color of the hair, that is not sufficient. It needs to cover the skin color so no one would be able to distinguish the color of the skin from underneath so some scarves are very thin see-through so that is not sufficient also some do not cover this part under the chin now up to here that's the face boundaries where the jaws meet that's called the chin up to here that's the face boundaries what is underneath now that's from the neck so some of them they wear the scarf and they put a pin here and this part is showing this is by consensus part of the aura. by consensus part of the aura, they need to cover this part which is classified as part of the neck Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in the Quran the obligation of covering the head. Not only mentioned the obligation of covering the head, also Allah instructed women how how to wear that head covering. Because some ladies in the past used to put the head covering and let it down. Without covering the neck. Allah Ta'ala said, وَلْيَضْرِبْنَ This is called Al-Jayb. This opening here at the neck, that's called Al-Jayb. وَلْيَضْرِبْنَ عَلَىٰ Meaning when they wear the headscarf, the right edge of it, they take it to the left side. And the left edge of it will take it to the right side. By, this, by doing this, they cover this part here. Because that's part of the neck. And the upper part of the chest is part of the aura. They need to cover it. By consensus, the face of the woman and her hands are not part of the aura. the prohibited nakedness. Al-Qadu Iyad, عنه, in his book, Al-Shifa, said, a lady is allowed by consensus to uncover the face and men are the ones who are requested to lower their gaze. Meaning if one were to look at her face with desire, he is sinful. But she is not sinful for uncovering the face. Now if they were to say, some people say, yes, there are some Uh, bad guys out there. So, why don't we force or oblige women to cover the face? Now, those sick people, even if she is fully covered and the intention is corrupted, they will still look at her in a bad way. She is not obligated to cover the face and the hands because it's not part of the aura. Men are the ones who are asked to lower their gaze. And this is confirmed in the hadith narrated by al-Bukhari and uh, Imam Ahmad and others that on the morning of Eid, during the season of Hajj, on the morning of the day of Eid, The Prophet ﷺ had his cousin Al-Fadl ibn al-Abbas. Al-Abbas was the uncle of the Prophet. He had a son called Al-Fadl. That's the brother of Abdullah, Abdullah ibn Abbas. This is Al-Fadl ibn abbas Al-Fadl was behind the Prophet. He was handsome. He was very handsome. He was with the Prophet ﷺ on his camel behind him. The Prophet ﷺ was approached by a beautiful lady, young lady, who came to ask the Prophet about a matter pertaining to hajj. And she was telling him, my father has not performed hajj, however, he is now very old. He reached an age where he cannot even sit on the camel, he will fall. So he won't be able to perform hajj. Can I perform hajj on his behalf? And the Prophet ﷺ said, Yes, and you'll be rewarded for that good intention to do it on behalf of your father. You'll be rewarded. Now by the time she was asking the Prophet and he was replying, he realized that she was looking at his cousin Al-Fadl, staring at him. And he was staring at her. So he realized that that look was not an innocent look. So what did the Prophet ﷺ do? He turned the head of his cousin to the other side. Al-Abbas later, his father, asked the Prophet ﷺ, why did you turn the head of your cousin Al-Fadl Then the Prophet said, I saw a young man and a young woman, and I feed that the devil may intervene between them. So he did not say, What is the proof? That was after the ayah of hijab was revealed to the Prophet, because this incident took place. Nearly 80 days before the death of the Prophet. So that's towards the end of his life. That's in the farewell Hajj. So after that, the Prophet didn't leave for long. So the ayah, the verses pertaining to covering for ladies, was already revealed to the Prophet. The proof here is that the Prophet did not say to her, It's haram. Go cover your face. Can't you see what you did to my cousin? You seduced him. Go uncover your face. He never said that. Rather, he turned the head of his cousin to the other side. And for me, Al Qadu Ayyad said, Women are allowed to uncover the face, and men are requested to lower their gazes. That's the proof regarding this matter. So, one is not allowed. To look at the face and the hands of marriageable woman with desire. But without desire, it is permissible. But to look at other parts of the body, even without desire, is forbidden in that case. So a man is not allowed to look at the hair of a marriageable woman, even without desire. This is part of the aura. This is part of the aura. Let us say, she has a short sleeve, so this part of the hand is part of the aura. Now you see some uh, Muslim ladies who are wearing the scarf, now they are wearing short sleeves. And they think they are making the proper covering. No, it's not the proper covering. Some of them they wear pants that is short, or a skirt that is short, so there is part of the leg that is showing. That's part of the aura. It is also unlawful to look at the unlawful nakedness, that's the auras, for the man and the woman, even if it was among the people of the same gender, such as for a man to look at what is between the navel and the knees of another man. So That's same gender, but the area between the navel and the knee. For a man, that's Aura. So for a man to look at another man, at the area between the navel and the knee, that's Haram. This is part of the Aura. And for a woman to look at another woman, at the area between the navel and the knee, that is also forbidden. So the Aura of a lady in front of another Muslim lady is the area between the navel and the knees. So this needs to be covered. So men in front of men between navel and knees, a woman in front of women between navel and knees as well. And the aura of a non-marriageable lady, non-marriageable lady in front of Her mahram, like her son, her brother, is the area between the navel and the knees as well. Some scholars added that top part of the chest as well. But uh, other than that, it's not part of the aura. Also, the man and the woman are not allowed to uncover the aura for the man we're talking about the private parts and for uh, ladies between uh, the navel and the knees in private if there is no need. Like for one, even if he's sitting by himself at home, he is not allowed to walk naked in the house. Because there is no need. But in some, let us say, countries, if it's very hot and for the sake of cooling down, he uncovered this area, he is allowed. Another need, he wants to put medicine, let us say, in the private area. So he needs to uncover it. That's a need. He needs to have shower. So he uncovers that area. That's a need. It's not haram in these cases. But if there is no need uh, for him and for her, for a man and a woman, they are not allowed to uncover the awra in private needlessly. Also, it is unlawful to look down on a Muslim because he's poor, for example, and to look into someone else's house without one's permission, like those who look from the hall of the door, for instance. Or they try to come near the window, try to hear what they're saying, and they don't like people to listen to them. And also, it's not permissible to look at something one kept hidden, if they don't like for others to look at it so they have something they don't want others to look at them so you're not allowed to go and look at them without their permission there are some people subhanallah these days if they visit you they greet you at the door they go inside and they go into the rooms Where are you going? Yeah, she's her friend. Still, maybe she doesn't want you to go into her room. They don't think of all these matters. Okay, you want to walk? Even there are adab, you know, adab manners. So if you go to someone, knock on the door, there is a way in Islam how to stand. So you do not face him like this, he opens the door and he sees your face. And you do not turn your back to him. You stand sideways, lower your head, when they open say Assalamu Alaikum, when they say come in you go inside, you don't just walk in, maybe he doesn't want you to come in at this time. But some people do not observe all these matters SubhanAllah. It's very important that we train ourselves to be what? To have good manners. To have good manners, look at the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he never extended his leg in the presence of a guest. When someone comes to him from his companions or someone is coming to him, he would not extend his leg in front of him. That's the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. If someone were to ask him about something, he would turn by his whole body towards him, that's from the manners. Not like he's talking to you, and you are not giving him any attention. "Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. I can hear you. Say what you want. These days, sometimes, when you find some children, when their parents talk to them, they don't look at their parents. This is uh, from the ill manners. Your parents are talking to you. Come to your parents with politeness, put your head down, yes mom, yes dad, this is how you should be. Teach them. When they come inside the house, it's good to teach them that they come straight away to you and kiss your hands. Let them get used to this. They go inside, they say, assalamu alaikum, they kiss your hands, do you want any help? You make dua for them. It's enough for you when your parents make du'a for you. May Allah make you amongst those who are accepted by Allah. What a great du'a to hear from your father or from your mother. Instead of hearing your mother or your father making du'a, that Allah will destroy you because you're causing distress to your parents. I had one parent coming to me once, father. SubhanAllah, he was crying. And he said to me, I had to call the police so they can take my son out of the house. How heartbreaking is it? He's calling the police so they can drag his son out of the house. He doesn't want his son. Because he's on drugs, he's very bad, he's whatever, whatever, whatever. He reached that stage, he cannot handle his own son. And... When he was a little kid, he used to carry him, change his nappy, and take care of him, feed him, put him on his shoulders, walk with him. When he cries at night, he might carry him just to settle him down so he can rest. Look after a while what he is getting from his children. It's very heartbreaking. It's very heartbreaking. Some ladies these days when, the young ones, when they talk to their mothers as if they're talking to, not even friends, because they respect their friends more than their mothers. (coughs) And all what they do, they ask for things, mom don't forget, buy me such and such. If she comes back from school and she finds out that her mother did not get her what she wanted, she starts screaming. So sad. They are not servants for you. You come back from school, tell them if they need any help, start helping your parents. This is how you should behave. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us the good manners. We ask Allah, as He beautified our look, to beautify our manners as well. And we ask allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to end our life as righteous muslims ameen and allah knows best we say la ilaha illallah and make salah on the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam